Okay, so we left off last time. We spoke about the. So the Kuzari now moves on to the rabbi, and he asks the rabbi to present his way of thinking. And so, as we saw last time, yesterday or the day before, the rabbi on page 66, the rabbi tells the Kuzari that um, we believe basically, he gives him a, a personal history. We believe in Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, and the fact that the Jews were taken out of Egypt with great miracles. And God sustained us in the desert, and he brought us to the land of Canaan, and he uh, split the sea, and etc. A whole list of miracles, and then he gave us the Torah, and then he sent Nevi'im. A very personal sort of relationship. Um, yeah, a, a certain very personal relationship with, with us and God. And then he says, we believe in everything written in the Torah, which contains a massive amount of information. That's the end of what the rabbi presents. So the Kuzari responded, as we saw in 12 on page 66, he responds that I always had the suspicion of asking you Jews about your religion because I think you've already gone off in terms of your, because of your uh, traumatic past and therefore you're not in tune anymore with the truth. Like you responded, I'm asking you to give me the fundamentals of your religion instead of you telling me that God created the world and giving me a whole bunch of, you know, objective or ontological proofs you send me into this emotional discussion about how God cares about us and God gave us all these uh, miracles. He says, <clears throat> "He says, what's the, are you pursuing the truth because you feel personally attached to God? Are you pursuing the truth because there is a truth to, to God and truth to, relation, to, to, to religion and all that? So last time we sort of analyzed the, the rejection or the question that the Kuzari is responding, is, 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 sending, is responding to the, the rabbi as saying, what 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 is your real reason for believing Judaism is real? Like what's what's your why are you committed to Judaism? On what level is Judaism correct? So seemingly what the Chacham or the Chaver, the rabbi is respond is saying is because you know God did did nice things to us. God was a good God to us. He took us out of Egypt, he, he split the sea, he brought us to Israel. So because of all of these miracles that took place to us, so to speak, that's why Right, we believe in him, and we believe in in in, in, in the religion, and the and the Kuzari feels that's not objective. He feels that's not an objective process of understanding. Um, you're not chasing truth because of that. It's a personal experience, and that gives you that motivates you. That's not that's not that's not the the, the correct path. Where does it say anywhere about God? All the emotions. I'm just saying what God did. I know. I'm 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 sort of. I guess I'm more. I'm adding my level of interpretation. You're right. He doesn't say clearly. But what he does seem to suggest is that you're believing in God based on um, personal experience versus on objective, you know, if you want to say philosophical structures of truth. Well, isn't that the biggest proof that there are personal experiences? I right. Like the other religions, there aren't. I mean, right. This is his way of saying that the personal experience doesn't count as an objective truth like you're trying to make it up. Either that, correct, or he's saying also that if you had a personal experience, that doesn't make me want to believe it. Meaning, just because you personally felt a certain experience doesn't mean that there, that creates for me a sense of truth. In other words, if I'm asking you, why should I adopt this religion as being truthful? And you're going to say, well, you know, I had X, Y, and Z of an experience. So fine, how does that help me? Sort of what the Kozari, in a certain way, responded earlier, in a certain way to, um, to the Muslim, uh, I'm sorry, to the Christian, there he just rejected him, hand out. Hand. Well, in a sense, it, it wasn't like the rabbi was trying to convince the Kuzari to convert to his religion. Right, right. So that's why this is more of an introductory, like, break-in type of discussion. It's not really, like, the main 
you know, body of the back and forth. It's sort of like breaking through. Yeah, you're right. Also, and like sort of like what was brought up last time is that the, like we brought from Voltaire, the fact that the Jews have survived throughout history is in itself one of the greatest proofs of a God and a purpose that God sees in continuing and preserving the life of the Jews. So I guess that in itself could be a proof. Yeah, so there's a lot of that there which you could use as proof. But I think also one of the points that we, we did point, we mentioned, the Kozari is using, or Rabbi Yudha Levi is using a certain, he's trying to present religion in a certain way. So he's, he's sort of bending the argument towards that direction. And I think that that's what's, a, what's the point here. In other words, yes, there could be certain elements of this. And again, we, we may even come to see that that is actually the answer. The fact that there is a personal experience and the fact that it is God's hand in our lives that make us more believers, so on and so forth. But to veer the conversation, dear, in other words, if you tell this to a person straight out, what would be, what would be the reject? What would, like someone says, you should love my father. Why should you love your, your father? Because look what he does to me. Yeah, Shekayah, what does it do with me, right? So in order to bend and, and, and sort of bring about that that is valid, perhaps, you have to first present the argument against it. And that's, I think, what the Rabbi the Levy is doing. But I also feel like, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like a lot of problems of anti-Semitism started from non-Jews learning about Judaism and seeing how the Jews are the chosen nation by God, and we aren't, and there's nothing we can do about it. So it's like almost unfair in a sense. It's well, like, It's like when a non-Jews learning about Judaism it, I feel like it would make his view of God almost feel like, oh, God cares about other people more than he cares about me. So, like, it, the whole thing becomes unfair. Like, so they believe it, it doesn't. But Ju- the whole idea of Judaism is that it's in a, it, like people who believe in Judaism believe that God is the God of everyone, not just the Jews. Now, so you're bringing up a very good point, and that is, and, and, and again, we're, we are going to see this in the Kuzari a little bit in a few pages, but what you're basically bringing up is the fact that a non Jew looking at the Torah, what is their, what, 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 what do they feel? What do they sense? What? Well, technically, God is the God of everyone. You know? Right, but what, what, what does a non-Jew feel? Is it supposed to be anything for the non-Jew in the Torah. Um, like the Christian and the Muslim, part of their belief is based on their belief. Everybody should believe that way. We don't believe that way. Right, we don't believe Why that. Is that we believe for us and right, you. right, correct. But the question is, is God universal God, or God is only cares about me? Meaning, is 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 the Jewish people the only people that God cares about? Well, we don't believe that they have to believe that Hashem chose us. Right. Do we, do we believe that? Or no, we don't. Right. But, but the question is, if I would be reading the Tanakh, right, and I would be an, an outsider, I'm not Jewish, and I'm seeing what the Torah says there about the Jewish people. Well, I'm choosing to believe that it's true. Okay, right. So, so obviously, that, well, the is that right. Obviously, true, right? correct, I'm correct, sure right. So it's right. Let's say you're right. Basically, what but you're saying is you're thrown into a catch twenty-two. If you want yeah. to believe it, then it has to be true. And then you become Jewish. Right, true, right, yeah. correct, correct. But I guess, I guess, on the level that the question is being presented here, the way Mendel is saying it, I think there is a factor of how do you answer to a non-Jew the fact that seemingly God, oh, you're the chosen chosen people, and we're not. And this, by the way, split the Jewish people up till today because you have, let's say, for example, a very like accepting or apologetic approach, which is maybe the way why you or you know modern Orthodox will answer, and that is there is nothing inherently different between me and you, and we're just given more responsibility, and 
you have less, you have a better life than us type of thing. Or heavy or goyim, as the Navi says, it's sort of we have to present certain ethics and morals to you, but there's nothing inherently greater of us than you. We weren't chosen necessarily. And they try to explain away, or like I said, they sort of try to, through apologetics, explain the concept of Am HaNibchar. That this, that we're the chosen nation, doesn't mean we're chosen per se, right? But we're given more responsibility. But that itself begs the question, why did God choose a certain group to have more responsibility than others? Usually you put responsibility into hands of people that you feel have the ability to, you know, live up to that. You don't give the responsibility to people that don't have that ability. No, but you could say, well, the Talmud versus Israel Oh, we're going to get to that later. Right. No, this is going to be a discussion later about the breakup and the Jewish people themselves of different classes. But what I'm saying is, is that there is always been throughout history this issue of how to placate, if you want to say, the non-Jew and in, in, in how they feel in, from, from, from the other viewpoint to say, yeah, we're the Amman no question about it. We're the chosen people. We were given a divine connection that's deeper and more real than non-Jews, but that doesn't take away the non-Jews' mission and purpose and, and, and validation. In other words, the Gemara says that a non-Jew that studies Torah could be as great as the Kohen Gadol going into the Kodesh HaKadosh and Yom Kippur. That means, in a certain sense, it is easier for a non-Jew to reach higher, a certain level of divinity, but even whatever he reaches is not the same depth as a Jew could reach. And, 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 and basically, to play it out on, on, a, on a relationship level, what we're saying is, is that, that we are considered God's children, and as children to God, we have a more deeper relationship versus all the other nations are, are sort of, you know, friends. <laughs> They're, they're children's friends type of thing and it does it does and there's a but here goes to a much to, here comes to a bigger picture and this is sort of a, a different discussion i don't know if i don't know if it's necessarily related specifically to the course but if we're discussing it already how do you explain and and it's very difficult i remember when, when i was in kenya so we had over over a course of a few days we had different discussions with different groups of people so there's this group of women and a lot of them were African women, meaning they were black, that thought they were Jewish. That's another whole issue, that they thought they were Jewish. And, well, in Israel, right, so this has always been an issue. Ethiopians? Yeah. These, these weren't Ethiopians. Ethiopians. These are not Ethiopians. These are Kenyans. But there's a group... Yeah, there's a whole thing right now going on. Right. There's been for a long time. They believe that they're... That like three Shvatim of Jews made this amount of Jews, then all the other Shvatim would be a massive population. That's the argument, yes. There is such an argument. That like huge. billions, right, so seemingly. It's got to be like somebody. Right. So that's a whole question itself. But either way, I, so they present, one of the questions that they asked me was, they said, like, why is it that we're treated any less? Or why are we considered any less? And then the women in, in, involved were like, even in Judaism, is sort of like, again, this is, the, uh, this is the question that women ask. It's like, why are women considered less? Why do women have less responsibility? Are we any less than the men? And so on and so forth. And it's a very hard subject to really approach with anybody because whatever you're going to say is almost wrong from the get-go because you're trying to provide an answer to people's emotional feeling of inferiority yeah. how do you tell someone who feels inferior don't no don't think inferior you're really as good as me but i'm better yeah, like you're just inferior. right so it's a very hard topic so what i presented to them or i said a number of points one of the things i said and i think this is a certain approach which is think about it as a body right what's what would you say is more um more important which limbs of the body are more important which organs are more important right 
the brain, the heart, the kidneys, right? There shouldn't, right? There's a level of what you say is more important. The biggest proof is, is that when the body is, is, is shutting down, because let's say it's freezing cold and it needs to preserve energy, the blood stops circulating around certain parts of the body and only circulates around the brain and the heart. And that's why a person could get frostbitten and that's why a person could lose their fingers and their toes and all of that because the the muscle and the blood recognize what you need to survive. What's the most important elements of the body to survive? So now ask, so to speak, the kidney, are you as good as the heart? Now, from some one perspective, no, they're not. But could the person live without the kidney? Okay, we have two kidneys, whatever. But I'm saying, in the fact that we need a kidney to live, we also need a kidney to live. In other words, there's certain main, if you want to say, if, if, if let's say, let's say on a movie, you have the main actor and you have the supporting actor, right? And then you have all of the other, you know, props. You, would you say the props are not integral to the movie? They are, because they are, bring out the, the, the character, they bring out the storyline, they bring out whatever it is. But in terms of importance, or, or who, who would you acknowledge more? You acknowledge the main actor, right? That's usually what it is. I mean, you do have the supporting actor. Also being nominated for a, a Tony Awards or whatever these awards are, I don't know. But... Um, and it was Tony Awards for movies? It's Oscars. It's Oscars, okay, an Oscar award. So, 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 so these, the saying is, is that you are presenting basically, what you're really answering is that this is nature. In other words, in nature you always have these, there is, there is, there is. In other words, the notion that we have every man was created equal is nonsense. Even the authors or the signers of, of the, of the, of the, of the what? That's slaves. That's slaves, exactly. So they themselves didn't acknowledge that all men are created equal. What did they mean all men are created equal or all men have the same rights? All relative to their perception. In other words, people of their own kind sort of all should have the same rights. But there's standards, there's classes. What? They said, that's whatever. They said that dogs have the same rights as you. Right. In other words, we believe inherently there's a natural, it's not even inherent to think that every man is created equal. Because you already have... originally had the intention of Right, that was George Washington, but at the people, Jefferson didn't. Jefferson was a very strong, um, um, what's pro slaves? Yeah. What's yeah, but again, it, I'm saying is that I think that there is a certain inherent knowledge, a certain inherent truth that tells us that there isn't such a thing. An old man is created equal. Equal in what sense? Should everybody given the free uh, uh, free rights? Should everybody given the same? Should, I, should everybody be given the same, same chances in life? Absolutely. That means there's no reason why a, a, a black child should feel any less of an ability to have a chance in life as, 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 as a white Protestant. Absolutely. And the same thing should be a Jew, should feel the same freedom of, of being able to have the same future and choices or chances in life. What? Equal opportunity, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Women don't have the opportunities that men have. So here's the explanation. They have, but the question is how you define opportunities. In other words, if let's say, God forbid, a person is handicapped, right? So they can't, and I'm not saying women are handicapped, I'm using this as emotional, right? So they can't, you know, let's say, run a marathon, right? So now, does that mean that therefore they don't have the same equal opportunity? In other words, what defines the same equal opportunity? Equal opportunity in relation to what you have the skill or ability to do. In that regard, we're providing you any option that you choose, any direction you choose. If you are created to having a certain deficiency, or perhaps even someone who's not deficient, someone who's, let's say, an extraordinary genius, just no one understands them, does he have the same opportunity as the average person? No. 
Like saying a woman can't do anything because she can't become a man. Well, nowadays that's different. <laughs> but even then, even even nowadays, they can't, right? They don't have the same levels of, of testosterone. They can't they can't grow uh, an aver. You know what I'm saying? Like they're still limited. In other words, when you speak about equal, equal opportunity, it's a, it's relative. There's no such thing as an objective equal opportunity. So I don't think it's again. Oh, so that right. So okay, so that's where the issue really becomes hard because what you're saying is is that God created me. Let's say, for example, women, women using their musical talents, right? So, let's say in my family, I have siblings that are very musically talented, and and like I once asked my sister, like, how do you feel about the fact that in religion, from a Jewish perspective, you're probably not going to have the opportunities to, you know, go out there as much as a man? To her, you know, her answer was she appreciates that this is her role in life. So she has the talent. She'll use the talent for, you know, she'll use the talent for areas that she could, but she doesn't see it as, like, it doesn't bother her that she doesn't have the opportunity, per se, in the same regard. But that's her. Most other people would not feel that way. Let's say, for example, I feel I have, let's say, a brilliant talent in, I don't know, in... uh, Adult acting. Adult acting, exactly. Very good example, right? And I therefore want to be able to be an actor and, and go on stage and, and, and go on movies and all that. And religion does Super hold me back. Regular acting, I don't know if adult acting. Oh, adult acting, you're saying that? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't. Oh, you're saying, right. Well, even regular acting, most scenes have some sort of adult acting in it, okay? That's where I was actually going when I was thinking, but you're right. I didn't mean pornography per se, but in, in the, that regard, yeah, you definitely have limitations in how far, or let's say being a Jewish person. Sp- sports show. player, you can't. You know, most stadium, right? Most most colleges won't sign you up if you're a religious Jew because of the fact that. I mean, there was just the draft. Now there was a few Jews that got into the draft and they were able to, but they're not in the best schools. They're not going to be probably much. They're not going to make it to the major leagues, because the bottom line is is that there is a certain you know there's an expectation. So are they? Do they have less opportunity? Religion does hamper their opportunity, for sure. But then the question becomes, is that really, in other words, was that really an opportunity for you? In other words, here is where it's hard, because you have, you're, what, the, what religion throws back at you is who says, this was your oppor- is this an opportunity for you? In other words, you are given the capabilities, you are given the talent, and yet at the same time, you can't really utilize that talent, or at least you can't use it the talent the way you would like to. And then you're saying, but... God is supposed to be giving me this talent for a reason, so how am I supposed to use it? That's where the real question becomes. If it's a talent or an ability, and yet I can't use it, so how do I make sense of that? And I would say that there is realms of where the opportunity could be used. There is, there is spaces, let's say there are women today who perform for women. There are women who, who do have some ability, they do use their talents in some ways. Now obviously they can't get the same perhaps uh, validation maybe as, as men, but like, or a religious man can't, let's say, Taka do certain, you know, acting or whatever. But you're not necessarily losing your talent, you're not, not using it, you're just not using it the way you, in your mind, want to use it. So that's already the question. The question is, how do you tell someone who've re- who, who recognizes a talent and sees how religion does sort of like put a ob- certain obs- limitation or restriction on that talent, and yet still say that I, have, I do have the same equal opportunity and God gave me the talent and I, I could still use it, but I can't use it the way I like to use it. So that's a hard one. But theoretically you could say, what if the lung decides it wants to be the heart? 
That's not your, that's not your function. Your function is to be a lung, not to be a heart. So it, it's hard because, you're, again, you're, you're not speaking to the emotional side of it. You're speaking more to the intellectual or the objective side. You're saying there is. There is limitations on everybody, and not everybody can do everything, and not everybody can do what they would like to do. <laughs> there was a, there's a, there's a chassid, his name is Armental Merazov. I think I mentioned him before here. He, was a, he, was, he passed away only a few years ago. So the Merazov family, there was three big brothers, like was Rabshal Merazov, who was known as a super genius, and Armental Merazov was also very smart. Their father was Rabhani Merazov, who was a student, who was a chassid of the Vermashab, who was killed by the, by the, by the, um, by the communists. And he was, he was actually given by the Friedrich Rebbe, by the Rebbe Rashab, the ability to give brachas. That his brachas will be as powerful as a Rebbe's bracha. He was a very spiritual holy man. Anyway, so his children, Menorazov was known also, they were known as sort of like being a little bit, uh, you know, being a, a joker, you know, to, 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 to joke around a bit. Oh, really? Interesting. So, um, so anyway, so he said, what? Well, How's that, I should say? Yeah. It's in his 90s these days, no? Anyway, so, so Ramel Morozov once he was for bringing and he said, what's pshat when we say in Shmaki Leinu on, on, let's say, in Sluchas, we say, we say, right? You know what I'm talking about? Right? We say, right? So then we say, right? Then we say, right? Then we say, don't throw us to old age. Don't, you know, when our energies are zapped, Al-Tazveinu, don't abandon us. So yes, what's Pshat? So he says, I'll tell you Pshat, he was then in his 80s, he says, you know, when you're walking down the street and you see a real beautiful girl, you can't do anything about it, right? Even if you wanted to, you can't. Because we have nothing left. We can't, you don't physically have, okay, not every man is that way, but I'm saying it's, you know, you don't, you lose your, your, your abilities to perform. So he says, he was kidding, obviously, but he's saying that's the Pshat. He says, don't send us off to that stage of age. And we can't even have the desire, the type of it, because we can't fulfill it or whatever. But that's the point. In other words, there are times in life, so an older person that is, is, is limited to his abilities, so therefore he doesn't, like, how do you explain it to an older person? You can't do this now. In other words, that is nature. There is a certain, there is. There is times that we're... You don't need to explain that to because the emotional side, you recognize it for what it is. You've already acknowledged either you already had a good life, either you already went through whatever. You acknowledge it. Whether you acknowledge it or not, it's a fact. Oh, so that just right. So, so in other words, you rec- but you're, but, you, but there are there are there are older people that that are told they can't drive a car and they're like why not, and then they drive and go and get into an accident. Right, but the point is, is but to them they may feel that no, I'm different. I could. You know what I'm saying? Like the Gemara says, how do you know when a person is old? Right? When is a woman old? Because the women especially never get old, right? So when is a woman old? When she's comfortable when you call her sapta, when you call her grandmother. When she feels comfortable that you called her old she, and she's fine with it, that's how you know. But that doesn't happen. What age is that? For some women that could be 60, for another woman that could be 100. So she's 100, she doesn't think she's old. So in other words, yes, some people could see it as a fact. You think of it as a fact. You see your grandfather wanting to go into a car when he's 95 and he can barely see. You're like, what are you going to do? For the same reason why he can't drive, but he can't understand why he can't drive. But that's the point. Okay, not necessarily his dimension. Right, Right. but the point is we think of it as facts because we get the vantage point of seeing it. But living that person, living in that situation... I would say there is a certain element of where we don't see it necessarily from women. I don't think we see it, but I think God 
I mean, religion being designed by God says, says that that is the fact. In other words, yes, I wouldn't say that I could see why a woman is not able to get an aliyah l'tayra as a man, let's say, or a woman has the same rights to put on tefillin, or a woman has the same whatever. But I would say that in, from just like I would able to see that an, a, 50, a 90-year-old shouldn't drive a car maybe, God sees that, or the one who established these points, right, sees that. So, yeah, it's harder because you have to. You're not answering it on an emotional level. You're not saying. You're not saying. Oh, you really could go ahead. Just you know, what you're saying is, is that that no, this is you know, you do have this limitation. You can't use out your ability as as the way you want to, and that's not the way you connect to God. It's not as it's When my father passed away, so for my sisters, one of the hardest things were was is that they couldn't do something. For me, I was saying Kaddish. I was learning Mishnayis. I was okay. They could have technically learned Mishnayis. They could have also technically said Kaddish because a woman is allowed to say Kaddish. But every day we had to run off to Davin and Shachris Min and we had. It was something you felt, however hard it is. It was something you felt still connected. For them, what's their connection? And it was a big issue. It's a, it's a real issue. So. It's hard. So you can tell a woman that she can't experience that same connection. Yeah, that's where it becomes hard. But it becomes hard when you're dealing with it on an emotional level. When you think about it from an objective level, even if you don't see the objective level, meaning you don't see how this is what's really happening, but the same, like we said before, the same way you believe God, and you believe God said you should say Kaddish, or that this is the way to be connected in the Shaman, and that's why you feel connected. So the same God says... That that, 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 that that this doesn't work for you, or that that's not this is not how you do it. Things that's harder when it's stuff that isn't so clear. Right, so that's where it becomes the issue, right? So you have a whole group of 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 women today that feel no, that's not true. Women aren't really much different than men, and that is all the rabbinic system, and what we live today is all a a a a, a distortion of the truth. And you go back to the days of 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 Tanakh, women had the same or almost the same, you know. Religious uh, responsibility. It's Chazal that came along. This established mitzvah says Eishas Am Grama Bnei Yisrael Vlei Bnei Yisrael, and some say no. The Gemara is correct, but even in the Gemara they reward they, they they miss. You know, today already it's it's changed from the Gemara stage, and some of it they're right about. <laughs> there are la- levels of restrictions that has been re- created between men and women today that are probably not based in halacha or based on it, tradition, but more based on, you know, uh, extremes like. What? Like, for example, what type of sheitlach could a woman wear? Right? Whatever, you're not familiar with this idea. But this is a real issue, right? A woman wants to wear a certain what's called a lace-top sheitl, which looks more natural. And you have groups of rabbanim who b'chal don't hold a sheitlach anyway, that they have to shave their head and they have to wear a sheitlach. But, but, but even in the group of rabbanim that may accept... That's another hope, of course. Whatever. The point is, the point is, is that you know, it's they deciding what the standard is based on a personal hergish, what they feel is the right thing. Now, you want to say they're the rabbis, they have a certain authority, fine. The bottom line is, is that you run into a very, it's not an easy topic. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing. So just to finish off this point, I mean, it's a much longer discussion. We're saying this in 20 minutes, but yesterday or the day before, they put out a video I did about a year ago about a hat and jacket. They stumped the rabbi, put it up just now. Um, so... Rabbi Hanan, Mendi Hanan, who basically runs Stump the Rabbi, he messaged me a very nice, you know, uh, regards that Rabbi Rabbi Mengel, who's a very prominent person, 
saw some, he says that his mother goes to visit Mrs. Mangel and they put on the, my video and they watched the video and he was very impressed. He enjoyed very much what I had to say. And he said that, tell, tell him, he tell me that I should do one about sneeze for women, girls <laughs> to, to do that video. So I told, I started, so I, my, I, I shared the, the voice note with my wife. So she says, no man wants to hear, <laughs> right? No, no, girl no girl wants, wants to hear a man's man. viewpoint on sneeze. They didn't even want to hear a woman's point. Right, right. No, whatever. But we're discussing the point. And the idea is it's very difficult because everything is coming from the man. In other words, you're telling the woman, well, you don't know me. How could you tell me? Like, who are you decide that this is my boundary? And that's where it becomes very difficult. It's, it's, it is, because it is a very structured where it's all male authority and the women, so to speak, have to, you know, take the, take, take the lead from the males. Um, in Hasidus, though, you find the concept that uh, the woman is empowered greater. The Mashiach comes and says, Ish, Isha the women will be on the higher level. So, okay, so you're going to say, listen, let Mashiach happen now. Like, why? What are we waiting for? It's, it's not easy. You have to start living in the times of Mashiach. Right, you have to live in the times of Mashiach. So it's not easy. But the point is, maybe that's why this transgender today, maybe in Yogan. But uh, the, the idea is, is that it's, it's, you're dealing with a very sensitive topic and an emotional topic. And, 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 and from that perspective, you don't really have much to answer. But if you're dealing with from it objectively, I guess, however much there could be objectivity to it, and, and sort of like from the principles from a religious perspective or from nature as a whole, everybody has equal opportunity relative to themselves and relative to their situation and relative to their age and, and things like that. There's so many different variables that plays a role to equal opportunity. That's the fact. Wait, and that the were, were they weren't. Okay, so Meaning equal as a what? They're equal till today, but I'm saying they didn't no, have I'm this. Saying with re- concerning religious activity. No, that we believe the, the the orthodox belief is is that what when when we speak about the Chazal, Chazal weren't re- n- introducing new laws. They had right. This was a tradition, Moshe Messinai, that when it says Dabrel Bnei Yisrael, speak to the children, male of Israel. It means so male, not they female. Argue about well, if it's that's all. Oh, that's a whole new topic. You can read this. Yeah, the Rambam deals with that in here. A bit. It's a big long thing, but part of it is this discussion. It's a big discussion. Why initially everything was Moshe Messina was clear. There was no arguments. Eventually they forgot. Things changed, and that's where Machlekes came about. But that's a whole topic for itself, and that's Arxeris. where a lot of people. Well. Oh, so that's another machlekes. Whether Xeris and Takanis were also already in the days of Moshe Messina, or these came later. The Mashmos, the understanding, the implication, the understanding is that they weren't. Takanis and Xeris were instituted later, and the way the Altarev explains is because, based on the time and situation, there is a much greater need to introduce. There was always the energy of the Xera. The Takana was is an energy, so to speak when it had to come into this world was based on a certain time and age. So for example, today, there was a, let's say, a takana that people shouldn't necessarily, you know, watch pornography. But there was never pornography, perhaps. I mean, there was, but I'm saying, right? I'm just using an example. So now that pornography is rampant, so now the takana comes in, and now I watch pornography. I'm just using that as an example, you understand? So that's sort of the idea, that it always was there, but it never had its physical manifestation. Well, like this exactly. Right. Once it comes needed, that's when it comes out. So we do see Xeris as being something that was established at a certain time. And there's certain Xeris that we say, if the time situation, if the situation changes, so then the Xeris changes, right? 
But there's certain things where we say, no, that since it was established back then, even if there's a reason and the cause and the situation changed, the Takana still stays in place. That's another whole thing. Right, that's another whole topic about Dovashibiminion, something that became established by a greater court. We can't have a lower court o- overrule the greater court. But that needs a broader discussion for itself. There's a lot of topics here that we're throwing out very, you know, there's a lot of discussion here. But, um, Wait, that basically means that all of are everlasting. No, not all of are everlasting. So there is, there is, there's a criteria, there's a set of principles that we don't have the time not to discuss. Maybe we'll have a share on it. There is a criteria of when, which Xeris are, which aren't, when, where, and how. It's not simple. You understand? Yeah. There is a criteria to it. There is a system behind it. But again, going back to the main point about you know telling a guy that they're necessarily less, or they, it's not an easy topic. You can't, it can't really tell them on an emotional level that, and they're not. We don't view them as less. We just see their role different. But we do feel we're the chosen. In other words, the heart is definitely greater than the, than the kidney in that sense. I guess we'll have to see more in the Kuzari when he discusses the differences between the classes. We'll maybe get to more about this.